welcome to the Have a Drink with Some Geeks podcast. Let's join our geeky hosts on this week's episode. And welcome to another episode of Have a Drink with Some Geeks podcast, a podcast where we geeks drink and give you our opinion on things and stuff. Yes. Um, usually we're right and you're wrong. I stand by that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. Well, welcome to episode 51. And before we jump into what we are discussing this week or in drinking, it's time to tell you where to find us. You're going to find, follow, like, subscribe, comment, uh, whatever you need to do over at Geek Drink Pod. We're on Facebook, Discord, TikTok, Instagram. It's still Twitter. Um, <laughs> as well as hornyarcreactors.net. Yes. You can light my arc reactor anytime. You can you can keep this shrapnel out of my chest any day, Ooh. baby. <laughs> Let me light your fire. Mm-hmm. All right, folks. Well, if you don't know what we're talking about, we'll get into it in a minute after that. Um, but before we discuss our topic of the week, it's time to talk about the beverage yes. of the week. Grab your beverage and join along as the geeks discuss the drink of the week. So we're returning back to a, a more recent addition to the podcast. Yes. We're coming, it's, you know, we're giving the illusion of a very nice summer day in terms of the fact it's only 60-ish and cloudy on a... Yeah, it's been raining. Sunday in August here in, in Colorado, but we are going to the Dry Dock Citrus Wheat again. Yes, a classic. Gotta love Dry Dock Brewery. So, oh, yeah. Uh, I know we featured it on a few episodes here and there recently, but we had to finish off the six-pack, too. Yeah, that's true. So, 5.2%. It is a ale brewed with orange peel and other natural flavors. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Adam, cheers. Cheers, brother. Mm. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Very light. Yes. And summery. Very summery. Especially because it's going to be getting hot again. Hot again. I hate summer. Just for that reason. Yeah. I am not a heat fan. I am bringing on the cold. If it was like this temperature every day but sunny, I would be the happiest person in Denver. Mm-hmm. But personal preference. Yeah. All right, folks. Well, it's time to talk about our topic of the week. What are the geeks going to talk about this week? All right, folks, if you haven't figured it out this week, um, we are talking about another franchise that really, in, in my opinion, it really... Well, this kind of kick-started it. Kick-st- well, kick-started the MCU, but it also really kick-started pop culture to be this geek mm-hmm. thing. You know, um, and if you don't know by now, we're talking about Iron Man, the first Iron Man. Yes. Um, from 2007. Uh, Two thousand eight, um, but you know, let me let me just preface it with this and get your your opinion on this, Adam. Do you think this film really cemented not only superhero movies and that whole genre, but it really started this? That's our mascot. Our mascot Pip is back today. Yep, um, with his. I was going to say mini arc reactors, but I do not want a dog with that kind of power in my house. True. Do you think this film really started pop culture to be this more geek fandom kind of thing? 
Or do you think it was already there, this magnified it? Well, I think, I mean, because this isn't the first superhero movie that ever came out. No. And I think a lot of those films, like the Batman, like the original Batmans, the Supermans, um, they did bring in, like, kind of a mainstream appeal. But then, not, like, didn't really do anything else other than, like, Spider-Man... But it's like a lot of those films were kind of still sought after by um, people who were more interested in that stuff, the geeks and all that. But uh, I think the uh, like Batman and Batman Returns pulled in a pretty good like other group. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, I think uh, Iron Man just kind of was like the first one where it was like, hey, this is kind of a cool, like, it's now really cool and mainstream, yeah, so. um, Do you think it's that, or do you think it's also because Superman, Spider-Man, Batman, those were all tentpole kind of... Yeah, and this is the first one where, like, no one really cared about Iron Man unless you read... The comics. The comics, or... Yeah, it's kind of a more niche. yeah. Than X Men had been or anything like that. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. So I, you know, and I think this film really kind of. I mean, obviously, it, it started the MCU, but I think it it came around this advent of trailers, and mm-hmm. it it really generated the beginning of. We've had them before, but really, the post credit scene. It really, yeah. with the advent of the internet now being such a mainstream thing, everyone, it, you know, it's everywhere all the time. It yeah. was starting to be before this, but. Fan forms. You're now having to continue discussions about what's going to happen next. You yeah. see Nick Fury in the post credits. Oh my God! Does this mean this and that and the other? Yeah. Um, but I also feel that this film really brought that comic book geek culture to the forefront now. Yeah. Because you have, I mean, in my opinion, a comic book nerd running the franchise. Yeah. In in its own right. Well, it was kind of interesting, like. Um... I, if I were talking to someone on the street or at a bar, um, and they're like, "Oh, what kind of stuff do you like?" Oh, I like Star Wars. I like Marvel comics, and they'd be like, "At this point, this is when they'd be like, oh yeah, I love those Marvel movies.'" But then they only love the movies; they don't read the comic books or anything like that. So, um, it did kind of bring yeah new nerd culture to like being more, like, accepted. But at the same time, I think it really divides, at times, the the people who just like the MCU. And then the people who like Marvel just in general, mm. whether it be comic books. and um, Same thing with, like, the DC movies. I think a lot of those films, even though they haven't been as successful, bring, like... More people who are like, oh, yeah, I never cared for Superman, but I like him now. And so I think sometimes it divides because it's like if it's so mainstream, it's not really geek so much anymore unless you obsess over it or you you seek out more info. Okay. But I don't know. It's kind of weird because, yeah, like I said, it's like I've been on dates with girls and they're like, oh, yeah, I love that that Iron Man film and I'm like oh yeah great yeah do you know like all these other things and they're like nope 
Nope, I just like Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> so, I mean, let's talk about it. Robert Downey Jr. Um, has this cast. You've got him, Terrence Howard, Jeff Bridges, Gwyneth Paltrow, mm-hmm. uh, John Favreau, who directed this film as well. Mm-hmm. Um, talk about a career game changer for him. Oh, yeah. Because, um, like, Robert Downey Jr. was, like, a really like working actor throughout the 80s and 90s but during that time he started to have like real bad run-ins with drugs and the police and pretty much like his alcohol co- yeah you yeah. knew it and his career was almost like tanked but then i think john farvro wanted him because he thought that he had that that sort of charisma mm-hmm. and uh yeah i think it completely changed everything for him Oh, yeah. I mean, it made him a household name overnight again. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, he led the MCU up until Endgame. He was the face of the franchise. It still almost is. Oh, yeah. I don't think anyone would think of the MCU without Iron Man, like, being in their brain. And and the character's still referenced all the time. Yeah. But I think he just, he left such a definite impression on this and it's just like yep he is uh he is he is iron man oh yeah he uh he has that charm and charisma that the (laughs) the character had in the comics yeah that kind of needed felt like a playboy but also kind of the smartest man like the smartest man in the room so he was kind of condescending and short with people and had his weird idiosyncrasies where he didn't like people handing him things. It's like yeah. there there was a lot of like fun that he had with this character. Oh yeah. Um and then yeah, his whole thing where he's just like, Yeah, I'm head of Stark Industries. I'm making millions of dollars banging women and Forwards building weapons and, yeah. and and having very precisely cut facial hair. Yes. That was that was a interesting like that sort of like i don't know what you would call it but it was very uh angular oh yeah it had a lot of uh right angles and 45s to it i know my my girlfriend has uh, me watching uh the show glow up which is uh, like a makeup competition so i think they call it like edging or i don't know but i'm not a hundred percent sure but that's a good show you should check it out watch it with your with your friends that are into it. But, um, but yeah, no, it's like kind of this weird, like edging or contouring. I don't know, but it was definitely a weird, uh, choice for that. But Hey, it works. Cause he's kind of like still a very clean business guy. Oh yeah. So be kind of normal for him to keep his facial hair pretty like tight, tight, tight and like stylized in a certain way. Oh yeah. It's his brand. Even it was his brand. Yeah. Because even in the comic books, like, in some of the the way he, like, Tony was drawn, was kind of very angular mm-hmm. facial hair. Um, but, yeah. So, Adam, you know, and I don't think we need to break down the film scene by scene. Just cause no, it's, it's, so... it's been out for long enough. Yes. <laughs> people, people have either seen it or they won't see it. Yes. Um... We talked about it briefly before we jumped into this recording. Terrence Howard. Yes. Did did MCU do him wrong? Do him dirty? Well, do you think he was 
the right choice for Brody. Well, so here's kind of the behind the scenes, I guess. So I guess they weren't anticipating like the massive success of this film, I think. Yeah. So when it came time to negotiate contracts for like Iron Man 2, Iron Man 3, and kind of stuff going forward where they were like, we're going to make this complete cinematic universe. 12 movie. They only envisioned it through the first Avengers initially. Yeah. And so when they, like Marvel knew they had to get Robert Downey Jr. back at all costs. Yes. And he knew that because he was able to ask for a ton of money. But when Terrence Howard wanted a similar deal, they just said, no, and cast someone else. Yeah, he wasn't... He They offered a little bottom, I think, and, yeah. and he took offense to that. And, and from, my, from what I understand, like, Terrence Howard is a very unique actor. Now, not being on set with him or anything like that, he is very intense. Um, but, uh, and sometimes people find that kind of harder to work with. But, um, but, I mean, I thought he was okay in this, but, I mean... Like, I just, I don't know if I could see him, like, in Endgame, or... Secret Invasion, or whatever it may be now. Yeah. Um, I agree. I mean, Terrence Howard, nothing against him. He's just not an actor for me that I was, like, drawn to. Mm -hmm. Um, Don Cheadle's history and and his, his credits before this, I think, led to him, I think, being a better choice in terms of... I also liked Don Cheadle's friendship with Tony. Like yeah, that, that kind of came through a little bit more, even though there were some great scenes in here where Terrence Howard and um, Robert Downey Jr. had some very fun like banter yeah. and stuff like that. But I just felt like they were more like he Don Cheadle brought like a little bit more of like you see that especially in the second Iron Man movie. Yeah, um, Don Cheadle and, and the two characters. They're back and forth. Their their camaraderie definitely conveys the history that we don't have prior to this film yeah. because it's obviously years of friendship before we even get to this point. Mm-hmm. So, I think Don Cheadle just was able to convey a little bit more like the history of their friendship. I think that too, and I think now watching future, or I guess not not future now, but other MCU projects where he's been involved. Not necessarily Iron Man, but, you know, other projects Don Cheadle, like Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Um, some of those other projects. Don Cheadle has that attitude and charisma to be not the sidekick in some of those features. Yeah. And as the MCU is aged, and not in a bad way, I'm saying aged in terms of progress as a franchise, mm-hmm. having him kind of now be the elder statesman of the MCU and, and appearing to be that yeah. character that gives advice and, and helps it, other characters. and mm-hmm. I think he fit that role better than I think Terrence Howard did. Terrence Howard, that is a no-knock against him, has this cocky, almost t- Robert Downey Jr.-esque to him, but that's not who mm-hmm. the character should be. Mm-hmm. Don was a little more humble, yeah. I think. I think he, he comes off more as like a colonel in the Air Force yeah. rather than what Terrence Howard was doing. So... I guess, yeah. I guess it's like, yeah, I prefer Don Cheadle over the performance that Terrence Howard gave. Um, So, speaking of performances, the big bad. Yeah, Jeff Bridges. Jeff Bridges, I mean, what do you think? Oh, I thought he was a 
a great villain and like because there you could tell there was like something off about him and him being kind of the like the corporate partner who's trying to stab Tony, or like have Tony killed and stab him in the back yeah. and stuff like that and kind of dealing behind his like behind well, closed doors and I think and, hey, Jeff Bridges is a phenomenal actor oh yeah um, I mean obviously best film he's ever done the Big Lebowski. Yeah, he's but very good in that. And true way Grit. He, true Grit. The way he came across and the way he embodied this character of Obadiah. Yeah. I actually forgot it was Jeff Bridges yeah. seeing it in, well, he in was, person. He was kind of frightening as a villain outside of the suit. Like, yeah. It, it's kind of, I think, a lot of times you have to have the like big bad guy be like, oh yeah, if you're going to have... A bad person in an Iron Man film, they have to have some, have some powers or technology, um, something that can be a threat to Iron Man in a suit. Yeah. Whereas Jeff Bridges felt like more of a threat to Tony Stark outside of the suit. Yeah, like, on a, as a person to person. <clears throat> yeah. And apparently, so, little backstory, I guess. So, they didn't have the script really ready. So... When they were doing like rehearsals and stuff like that, they'd just be like improv. And Jeff Bridges didn't like it, but Robert Downey Jr. was really good at it. And there's some like really cool scenes where like Obadiah, like Jeff Bridges, is just like grabs like yeah. Robert Downey Jr. and you're like, you're like, that's intense. So one of those scenes was the pizza scene. Yeah. When he's like, I'll get pizza, pizza, you want pizza? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I. I, I just think the way Jeff Bridges approached the character in terms of... I mean, it helps that he was bald and, and had the, go, the, the very tight goatee as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have just this charisma as well. This yeah. this big shoulder, very... Yeah, and I think that was kind of a big choice to yeah. kind of make him look physically like intimidating and um, like kind of like the... Like a hulky and like, like almost like a big like old boxer or yeah. something like that. Whereas like Tony was definitely more like, like smaller build compared. Finesse. Yeah, finesse kind of fighter. Like, they were fighting, yeah. and which so, it does. I mean, it does represent that when you look at the, the final the, scene, the yeah. Ironmonger versus the Iron Man. You've yeah. got this big hulking suit that's clunky but powerful, and you've got Iron Man who's maybe not as powerful but more nimble. Yeah, and so. I liked I liked kind of how they did things. It's like, yeah, it was a uh, it was a uh, definitely a good casting for yes. him. I mean, it kind of sucks because I know like the superhero movies, you have to kill off the bad guy most of the time at the end. And so, I would have loved to have seen you, Obadiah you come back, the, but the multiverse never yeah, knows. But um I would have loved to see him come back, but uh yeah, so that was good casting. Uh, what do you think of uh, Pepper Potts? Gwyneth Paltrow. Um, pre-vagina candle. <laughs> Have you gone onto that website, no, actually? No, I, I, I make a point not to go to those same websites. No, it's so bizarre, because it's like, it's not, it's all like... It's her product. It's, it's her, her brand. brand and But it's so weird, like, they sell you, like, these kind of holistic things for women, and there's, like, no science or anything behind no. it, and... So it's just a bizarre yeah, thing. She's she's an interesting character outside of this film. Oh yeah. Um but her character, you know, Gwyneth Paltrow playing Pepper is 
I liked it because she she relayed that vulnerability in the first film, even the second film, where it's just like you could feel that she was kind of Tony's damsel in distress. Yeah. Um, but also had her own little badass kind of moments. Yeah, and I liked the fact that she was like very all business, but you could tell that she really did care for Tony. Oh, yeah. Um, even before there, like it's kind of hinted romantic involvements coming, but yeah, it's she's got that. I wouldn't call it motherly feeling, thought feeling towards him, More but like she caring, caring. You know, yeah. she was his personal assistant. Yeah, and obviously she knew all of his little intricacies and was on top of her game because she had the the thanks for sleeping with me letter ready for him and oh, yeah. or for for the reporter and, mm. and all these things. What so? What do you think of his uh, his cars? Oh, they're awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, apparently that the car that he was working on at the beginning is actually John Farvro's, like in his collection. Oh, um, but no, I thought it was uh, pretty cool. I was I was uh, disappointed that that Shelby got crushed. <laughs> I don't think they crushed a real one no. because they're so rare. But you can get like kit cars of them for pretty cheap and. Um, well, I say cheap, but still like cheap for them. yeah. Well, like it'd be like sixty, seventy grand, but a real one of those Shelbys would easily go for one hundred fifty plus uh, easily over. I'd yeah. say two hundred grand probably. Depends on the condition, yeah, yeah. Um, and so, well, we'll get into this a little bit in terms of, of the film. Um, I know last week we talked about you know talked about Star Wars and and the practical effects. This would be good use of practical versus CG in yeah, this film. Yeah. Um, that we, we shy away from more now in recent MCU projects. Yeah, because apparently they, the Iron Man suit, when he's in it, like... In this film, he's in it. Yeah. But it's like, moving around is very difficult. Oh, yeah. So that's why it switches to that. And I think they called it, like, the football suit, because it was... Had to go on like in so many different parts, and yeah. Your range of motion is really not um, all that great, but I did like the use of kind of the overlay HUD, uh, like when he's inside the suit, yeah. And, and like, they did that to great effect in other films too, with yeah. This. But I like the when you have those scenes of him flying around or in the suit, fully enclosed, masked down, mm-hmm. that you can still have those moments where you see his face and. That those that human connection. Yeah, and um, I think even yeah that the HUD overlay. Yeah, like because they really did it where it's like they're filming him and then like I think he's in like a black room and they just have a camera like right yeah. here and so he's really reacting and saying these things and then they can use it however they want. Um, and then that Paul Bettany playing Jarvis. Oh yeah, first appearance of uh, Paul Bettany in this, and I think he. Uh, he nailed it. Oh God, yeah. That it it was fun because of yeah, it's an AI and it's it's a computer program at this point in the in the MCU, but the banter in that. Yes. Um and the banter between him and his first robot he ever built. Mm-hmm. The, the the whatever yeah, the little guy in the army. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> it's like giving him the fire extinguisher. Yeah. It's like if you spray me beforehand <laughs> if, you, if I'm not on fire and you spray me, I will donate you first. Yeah. So yeah. the, that was a lot of, I think, the power of having solid actors who... Yeah. Because, yeah, the whole scenes of him testing out 
all the technology and stuff like that. And kind of trial by error. Oh, it was great. <laughs> yeah, and it was... But that was, like, all him, really. Oh, yeah. Because like, it's just him on the set, or, like, him in that workshop. Yeah. Yeah, so I liked that a lot. Um, yeah, and then just, yeah, some good comedy, great action. Um, I think this was kind of one of the first times that you saw, like... Because you know you always have, like... And, and this will be... Uh, we can get into that later, but... Billionaire Batman... Bruce Wayne. Oh, yeah. He was more, like, he had technology, but he was more physical, where billionaire tech um, Tony Stark actually is using the technology to build a suit, to build, like, weapons. Yeah, to build it out. Yeah. And so, that's kind of cool, where you, it was a little bit of a different approach to that genius person like what they would do if they were trying to and it to. comes on the heels of the Dark Knight trilogy coming out yeah um, to, to kind of have that same kind of aspect of hey this is similar but not yes um, you know and the Dark Knight franchise was such a dark dark franchise no mm-hmm. pun intended um, compared to Iron Man was a little bit lighter hearted oh yeah it was fun brighter by a color comedy <laughs> yeah. action film yeah and not to say like some of the there were some funny moments in Batman Begins no. and all that, but um, no, no, no funny moments. Adam, all serious, yes. all serious. Where is he? But um, but you also have, you know, this. It felt like it was a, without being a world building film. It felt like it was building an, an environment for you to be immersed in. Yeah, you know, you've got his his mansion, which was really not cool. practical, ah, but cool. Yeah. And I loved I love the integration of Jarvis where it was like, yeah, he's in like he's everywhere pretty much and like in order to get to certain places, like he won't let you if you don't have clearance. And yep. <laughs> he can be accessed via computers and consoles and stuff like that. So it was kinda nice having like I guess that would be it's kinda like how we have with like the Amazon Echoes and Siri and yeah, all these and things where it's like you have this virtual assistant that's starting to pop up everywhere. Oh, yeah. Um, if I talk loud enough right now and tell Alexa to do something, the Alexa in the bathroom next to this room oh, really? was do something. <laughs> oh, okay. Because, yeah, I'm like, I think that's pretty cool. I mean, having, like, this This was kind of, like, before, like, we saw all this integrated oh, yeah. technology into, oh, yeah. into, like, a literal smart home um, with, like, a digital... Butler, yeah, <laughs> Butler, who, yeah. who can unlock and lock your doors for you, sir. Yeah, with can, a great British accent. Yes, he can do everything. So, so Adam, let me ask you in terms of, and we haven't talked. We're not going to talk about these exclusively now, but in terms of the three Iron Man films, where does this one rank? Oh, I would say this is number one. Um, right answer. I. I would say number two is the third Iron Man film because that's when you've got more of the like buddy cop like sort of thing. Yeah. And there was a lot more of like Tony having to do kind of like deal with the like post traumatic stress of the of the Avengers. Well, that's the third one. Yeah, no, I'm, yeah. I'm but yeah. Okay, yeah. But it's like he's dealing with the darker stuff and yeah, the second one, it, it, the only thing I think the second one did well um, in terms of character building was 
he's not quite he's not an alcoholic let's say in this film like he is in the, in the comics yeah but he's but he's, he's dying and so he's, he's dying, just so he's trying being to reckless he's trying to live in his life and still yeah do good yeah and then yeah it just became a thing where I like for yeah the third one I just liked how like it was perfect like pairing with uh the first Avengers where it's like how does someone deal with Going through a wormhole, carrying a nuke, and almost dying. How does someone deal with aliens coming to Earth, and what do you do? And yeah. He becomes obsessive. He becomes... Um, he's traumatized, but it, it, the only thing he can do is just put himself into his work. Um, because he and cares... suit after suit after suit. Yeah. Which were cool. Yeah. Which we'd seen more of it. Yeah, I would have... I would have liked that, but it was kind of interesting, because what, he was on like 99 or something? Yeah, he was... <laughs> One for every exact scenario you could yeah. ever expect. But that experience. was, I liked that aspect where it was like you could tell that he just was like, I am going to obsess um, and uh, get to work about trying to build a suit of armor around the things he cares about. And so um, I liked, so I'd say I, I loved the first one. The third one would probably be my second choice. And the second one was all right. It just it's like yeah, I didn't think they gave like Mickey Rourke a lot to do. No, like he wasn't for... a great villain, but Sam no. Rockwell was funnier. Like he, yeah, I would love to see him come back. Well, he didn't die. I so. know. <laughs> but, uh, but, um, yeah. so getting back into the first this first Iron Man film, um, so it took in. Almost six hundred million on a hundred and thirty million dollar budget. Yeah. So obviously a success. An unexpected success, which yeah, we discussed. They, they did not think this was gonna work. No. So, but, but then it was very, very successful. Yeah, so this is a uh, so MCU the Marvel Studios produced this in conjunction with Paramount at the mm-hmm. time. Pre Disney acquisition yes, of Marvel. Because I think because at the time like the superhero franchises, like the licenses, were all spread out throughout yeah. Hollywood. So it's like Paramount had most of these. Um, I think Universal had the Hulk. Had only had the Hulk. Sony had Spider-Man. And his gallery, yeah. And then... Um, Marvel had... 20th, 20th Century Fox had Fantastic Four and X-Men. Yeah. But everything was all spread out. So they just partnered with whomever they could to make And make these agreements that, hey, we're going to make this... Try yeah. to make this franchise. Will you help us? Will you allow us to use this one character for this yeah. film and... He won't have a starring f- f- role like the Hulk. Yeah. For example, he was with Universal. Mm-hmm. Still, I think he just reverted back now, back to Marvel. Yes, he has officially. They have reverted back. So, because uh, the Hulk movies are now on Disney Plus, but yeah, I think they're Disney's kind of consolidating a lot of these. But I think it had to do with something like Universal made the Ang Lee Hulk that didn't do well. Um, then they made. The Incredible Hulk with the Edward Norton, um, which I think did okay. I but, thought it was pretty good. But um, Edward Norton didn't, didn't creatively want to come back. He didn't think he had enough creative. Yeah, because he actually it. wrote it. Yeah. And uh, but then didn't want credit for it, um, and just couldn't find a creative kind of common ground. Um, which is fine. I think uh, current Hulk Mark Ruffalo is oh yeah great in the role. Yeah. Um, I like it. Which we'll get into another time. Yeah. But yeah, I think, and part of the reason Marvel had all these franchises in other places was to finance what they wanted to make at the time. Yeah. You know, with the 
the blades and, and yeah, other that was films. New Line, I think. Yeah, had Blade and I like the Blade movies. The Blades, they were fun. Um, so you know, Adam, what are your thoughts on on this in terms of the legacy of Marvel and in terms of the legacy of Robert Downey Jr.? Do you think this is that tent pole that holds everything up? Yeah, I think it was kind of the biggest their biggest success their most interesting dynamic rememberable character um and i think yeah there's gonna be like everyone will remember tony stark and robert downey jr playing tony stark um i know there's some i have a hot take on this one when we get there but um they're trying to push this like the new like band of avengers and i don't know if it's gonna work um it like i know a lot of people are going through this kind of there's just so much and all that but i think everyone will remember this this movie um not just because it was the first but i think it was kind of the the big like whoa this is awesome this is a game changer yeah yeah i remember seeing this in theaters just going i don't know this is gonna be whatever it'll be fun yeah and it was it was great yeah um so, let me ask you this question then, in terms of Marvel and 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 Robert Downey Jr. So obviously this was this was a career rebuilder, yeah, for for Robert Downey Jr. Um, do you think as as an as a as a, for Robert Downey Jr. Let me phrase this this way: playing this tentpole character for so many years. A lot of actors have this problem of getting out of that shadow. Do you think he will be able to do that successfully? I think so, because um, he's he's a very talented actor. I just I wonder... He's going to have to do something, like you were saying, like with Oppenheimer, where he's he's not playing... The lead. He's not the lead, but also it's like I feel like everyone... Like Hollywood would just want to offer him roles where he's pretty much Tony Stark, just... Different. The same character, yeah. but different story. Um, but I think him doing stuff like Oppenheimer now, where it's like, give me something I can like really sink my teeth into, yeah. would uh, I think that's that's how he gets out. Okay. And it's like, yes, we'll all remember him for this, but we'll remember him as a great actor. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how he does that. So many actors haven't been able to do that. <clears throat> yeah, You look at... Um, Case in point, I, you know, and I'll refer to this age-old love of my life, Patrick Stewart. Mm-hmm. Great actor, but he never, I mean, he, he I may be a little bit of a rare exception because he was able to get out of the Picard aspect and go become Professor X. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, really, bet- before those two, between those two roles, what do you say Patrick Stewart's known for? Oh, he was... I mean, we, yeah, we are actors, so we know, like, oh, yeah, he was really involved in Shakespeare and theater. and like, Yeah, but, I mean, as a, as a consumer media, if you're just the average consumer, you're like, oh, he's Ken Picard and Charles Xavier. Yeah. That's all he's ever going to be. Yeah, probably. Um, but... You look at um, Mark Hamill. Yeah, he'll always be... Harrison Ford's one of those rare ones who was able to break out. Yes. Um, but, yeah, Mark Hamill has been able to break out through more voiceover yes. stuff. Like he... He's the, the Joker. He's the, he is the Joker. Um, 
but he's and played he's also the Fire Lord. <clears throat> yes, uh, but he's played so many different characters, and I think that's how he breaks away from Luke is being able to play these different roles um, via a different yeah. kind of media. So, besides Iron Man or the Marvel franchises, what is your favorite Robert Downey Jr. film? Ooh, I really liked uh, this movie. It was kind of the f- like one of the first times he worked with Shane Black, who directed the third Iron Man. It's called uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, and it's a kind of a detective noir story. Um, it stars uh, Val Kilmer, Michelle Monaghan. Um, it's so funny. Like, laugh a minute. If you if you keep laughing too much, you're going to miss another joke. Um, but uh, that's, that's probably it, I think. Okay. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang was that one for me. Um, so I would say my favorite uh, Robert Downey Jr. film, before, besides, obviously, the MCU is The Judge. Okay. So have you seen that one with um, him and uh, Robert Duvall? I have not, but I hear oh. it's very good. I highly recommend it. Um, definitely didn't get the credit I think it deserved. Um, it only got in like $80 million on a $50 million budget. Yeah. But um, go check that one out. Um, it's his dad's The Judge in the local county, and he went to be a big shot lawyer in New York, and he's come back to help his dad deal with cancer. And mm-hmm. um, without giving away, his dad's also on trial now, and it questions his legacy. And mm-hmm. having Robert Downey Jr. come back, and that was a fun one. Um, I also really liked him in Tropic Thunder. Let's just be honest. Oh, Tropic Thunder was great. <laughs> that was that was craziness. Like, and that that's another way that you he kind of sets himself apart is like by doing a crazy role like that or doing a drama like The Judge or doing those types of movies that he will be remembered for. But, um, yeah, they can definitely... I don't think they could ever make Tropic Thunder again. Oh, God, no. Like, one, I wouldn't want them to because it was perfect. But um, just kind of in this day and age, it's not going to work. No, no. <laughs> At least that character does work. Uh-huh. Um, but... <laughs> like, every... Um, Every friend that I had that was black thought the movie was hilarious yeah. and thought he was funny. Because it's all a big joke on Hollywood, but um, but yeah, no, I I think I think Robert Downey Jr. can but can uh, keep on trucking with whatever project he wants now that he has all this money. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, just don't do too little ever again. Oh no. Bad Robert Downey Jr. I did like him as Sherlock. Like that was Sherlock fun. Holmes, that it was an interesting take on that. Yeah. Um, way more eccentric yes. than I anticipated when, mm. when, it, when the films came out. Yeah, because at that time you had the Sherlock show on BBC with, with Benedict, Benedict Cumberbatch and Martin Freeman, and then you had Elementary, I think. Was yeah, on. the modern take on it on TBS yeah. with I don't know who's playing him, but Lucy Liu, Lucy, yeah, yeah, yeah Lucy Liu was playing Watson. Watson. Um, I never watched it, but um, but anyway, but it's like yeah, it was a very different kind of take on Sherlock Holmes, and so I liked that those movies. Those, oh, those, those were good fun. too. Yeah, sure. Maybe the third or fourth one now. I can't remember. Ooh, no idea. Yeah. All right, folks. Well, it's time for us to jump out of our suits of armor mm-hmm. and jump into some hot takes. Pee-pee. 
hot takes. What are they going to say this week? All right, Adam, so hot takes on Iron Man. Okay, so this is, I guess... I don't like the new person that's taking up the Iron Man mantle. Ironheart? Yeah, yeah. That, that was so... It's so unneeded. And the movie didn't do a good job. Like, Black Panther 2 didn't do a good job of explaining how she has all this stuff. And why is everything so similar? That sort of thing. So, I would have rather it just been ready Had, and... Or, or what if we had gotten the Ironheart show first that they're working on? Yeah, but I just... I didn't... I didn't like it. I don't... It's nothing against the actress. I just think they didn't... They didn't think it through. Like, it just... So, I mean, it's kind of... that. That's my hot take, is I think that that was... First off, it was not needed in Black Panther 2, period. Like, the character yeah. wasn't even needed. But I don't... Don't like it. Okay. I'm like, I would have just rather it been Rhodey and... That's it. So. <laughs> um, so I think my big hot take on Iron Man as, a, as the film, not so much as the franchise, is I think had we had a little bit more time of Tony being kidnapped mm-hmm. and, and that piece, because it definitely is a... It's a character 180 for him, and we yes. see that change... He comes back that changed man. Yeah. Um, so I think just a little bit more development of that piece because while it was good, I think sometimes it was a little rushed. Obviously for pacing and for mm-hmm. and for trying to get to the end point of the movie, you had to have that not be as long as it could have been. Yeah. But I think from a storytelling point of view, having those cave sequences and having maybe more of an emotional impact of him in the cave with with I forgot the guy's name the the other scientist that he yeah. met. Whose families were killed by Stark weapons, and he's yeah. still helping Stark and and helping him realize that yeah, you're making tons of money on this stuff, and you are a brilliant man and a and a playboy, but maybe philanthropy and maybe yeah, working towards peace in the world is a better use of your intellect. Yeah, that would have been better. Yeah, because he definitely it's definitely is it this movie is a fundamental character change for him. Yeah. Um, obviously, we don't know who he is prior to this, besides some flashbacks here and there. But yeah. I think it would have lent a little more gravitas to the situation because then he does make that heroic sacrifice at the end, almost that I'm going to have Pepper flip the switch and it might kill me. Yeah. It was... But at the beginning of the movie, he is not that kind of character. He's more self-serving. Yeah, I think like the beginning explains like the type of person yeah. he is. But I do like, I will, yeah, the cave stuff could have been a little bit more to show kind of the despair, the trying to survive, like that sort of thing. Yeah. So seeing what his weapons actually are doing. Um, so, yeah, that, that could, I like that. Okay, there we go. All right, folks. Well, we've hot taked it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, now it's time to cool the room down and talk about our... Geek Wreck of the Week. It's time for the Geek Wreck of the Week. What are the geeks going to recommend? All right, Adam. All right, so I'm going to recommend... I'm replaying uh, The Witcher 3 with the next-gen update for Xbox Series uh, X. Um, They kind of do an upkick 
good on the graphics, some quality of life, um, like combat mechanic improvements, um, and you get all the DLC. Um, so if you have never played The Witcher 3, get that next-gen update. It's well worth it. It is. We played It's it just really complicated. Much. Like, oh, yeah. If you're brand new to the franchise, take it on the easy mode. Take it slow. Take it easy. Yes, because... If just, you just, just joysticks, well, baby. if you just jump in like on normal, you're not going to understand like the alchemy prospect, yeah. the how the combat works or anything. So it's definitely if you're new to the series, and this is a good place you can just jump right in. Oh yeah, it's a highly rated game, and it's a good if you're not into fantasy kind of gaming, such as like. Elder Scrolls. Yeah. Um, it's a good foray into that as well. Into yeah. that kind of mythos and, and, and world. Yeah. And some RPG elements. Um, but yeah, just if it you're, if it's kind of your first experience, I'd say put it on like the easier difficulty. So combat's a little... You can get kind of your bearings a little bit more. Uh, but if you played Witcher 3 before or played the other Witcher games, you can jump right in. So so let me, let me ask you this question. And it could be a hot take, I guess, in its own right now. On a completely unrelated subject from Iron Man, when you play video games, Adam, mm-hmm. what setting do you play it on? A uh, normal, if like, if I like, for instance, I was like a few weeks back, I was playing through Fallout Four, and I put it on the legendary difficulty. Or if I play Elder Scrolls Skyrim, I'll put it on the legendary difficulty. But like when I first started playing, um, like the Jedi games, um, I put it on normal. Um, because I feel like I can, I like the challenge, but sometimes I'm like, if I put it on easy, it's too easy. Um, same thing with like Hogwarts Legacy. My girlfriend put, like, put it on easy because she's very new to gaming and I put it on normal, but she's now replaying it on the normal difficulty and having like a little bit of a struggle, but hey, it's still nice that she wants the challenge. So there you go. So I will be the outlier. I play most games on easy. Okay. Um, and we talked about this before. My my preference is story over anything else. So my story over challenge. Yeah. So I'd rather. Yeah, it can The challenging sometimes can be fun, but I also easily get frustrated sometimes with those kind of games. Yeah. I just I want to get to the next story moment, and yeah. I want to build the story. Um, but I also do like games that are there's no you can't change the setting. It just progresses with you. Um. Assassin's Creed, uh, Tears of the Kingdom right now. It mm-hmm. definitely progresses as you as you go. Um, or in my case, I'm now super overpowered for most uh, combat because I've done everything besides the story. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have, you know, all the shrines, all the hearts, all the stamina, and all the equipment, and I'm only third of the way through the story now. Yeah. So that's the other way I like to do I like to overpower myself and just mm-hmm. go kick ass now. Yeah. Um, all right, but my geek crack of the week this week is going to be, and I showed it to you when we walked in, um, Fan Home. It's a model kit service. Um, they send you X amount of pieces a month. It's like four, mm-hmm. and you add it to your your model that you're building. And mm-hmm. it usually it takes you two to three years to build a model. And it costs. It's not cheap model service, but it's high quality. Yeah, metal. Lights. Lights, everything. You wire it yourself. So I am working on the Enterprise D. Oh. I started it in October of 2021. Enterprise D's nuts. Um, yeah. <laughs> I started in October of 2021. 
got through the first 16 pieces mm-hmm. and then the company went out of business and another company picked up the stock and was like, we'll finish the kits. So my second, my fifth, fifth kit, but parts 17 through 20 are here now and I'm excited to dive into it again. And there you go. Keep building my two foot long Enterprise D. Mm-hmm. The saucer section, you can't see it folks, is substantial. Yes. All right, folks. Well, that wraps up uh, 51 episodes yes. of Have a Drink with Some Geeks podcast. Next week will be the year, the year mark. Yeah. Um, and we haven't been canceled yet. Yet. But uh, thanks to you guys for listening. Make sure you follow, find, like, subscribe, comment, tweet, twoop, uh, smoke signal, um, send a raven, whatever, carrier pigeon. Yeah. Um, let your friends know. Let your friends know. We are at Geek Drink Pod. On all social media platforms. That's Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Discord, TikTok. Um, we are at Horny Orc. Orc. <laughs> oh, that's, that's going to be a different <laughs> that's, that's conversation. A different, that's a different franchise. Yeah. Hornyarcreactors.com. Yes. Um, or, sorry, dot .net. Dot .net. Dot .com takes you to a dirty site. Don't mm. go there, folks. We're, we're not that kind of people. Yes. Not dirty boys. Dot .edu. Dot .edu. <laughs> slash dot .gov. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but make sure you leave a comment, leave a review, give us five stars if you think we deserve it. And if we don't deserve it, give us five stars. Because yeah. it helps the algorithm get into people's ear holes. Yeah. So. We'd like to get paid at some point. Yeah, get paid, maybe get some free booze. Um, who knows? Mm-hmm. But thank you guys for listening. We hope you guys have a great geek week. Take it easy. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Have a Drink with Some Geeks podcast. Tune in next week to see what our geeky host will discuss next week. Goodbye. has been another episode of the have a drink with some geeks podcast all content copyright geek drink pod 2023